So, Brie, mm-hmm. uh, welcome to Constant Struggle. Why, thank you. Yeah. Welcome to you to the Constant Struggle. I feel I never get to welcome you. These were welcoming guests. I mean, welcome in a way, Brie, you, we don't have to welcome each other. We're always in the That's Constant true. Struggle. We are. That's why we Am made I... this pos- podcast. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> anyway, yeah. Yeah. Well, how are uh, how are things going with you? I understand. Tired. Tired. Very tired. Why yeah, so tired? we had. What's going on? We got a dog. Yay! Woo woo woo. Or should yeah. I say, woof woof woof. 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 <laughs> yeah, we got Ruby, and she's had a dodgy tummy the last couple nights, so we've let her like stay up. And yesterday, she was wandering all around. You could just hear her little chains tw- twinkling in the morning, and. At some point, she jumped on the bed to sleep uh-huh. with us. I'm like, no. Why not? <laughs> not... Okay, I, dude, I'm such a fussy sleeper. I need uh, like pristine. I'm uh, what that, right that princess with the pee thing. Yeah. It's like, wow, a pee? You got into bed and there was one in there? Like, what are you oh, doing? Oh, <laughs> this is comfortable, yeah. <laughs> so a new struggle. Yay! A new struggle. Pet ownership. That's right. You guys have never had a pet. Well, I mean, you mm-hmm. did when you were a kid, but I don't think yeah. you I think Catherine didn't have pets growing up, right? No, correct. Mm, yeah. Fun. Uh, what about work? How's writing going? No. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I'm not doing that no more. <laughs> oh, Nick, you need to. That's the point of this podcast. Huh? What? Oh, well, you know. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. No editing, no nothing. No, no, no. It's good the way it is. <laughs> Editing's for <laughs> losing. Never fix it just write it perfectly the first time like i do i don't understand the problem coming up is an awesome episode with an interview uh featuring katherine naker who's an awesome writer and uh discusses editing and how to do it that's right so maybe nick you should take our the advice of the episode we're about to hear what learn from my own podcast <laughs> i know do it seriously it's all like all parenting stuff right now because coop's baseball schedules it exploded okay um oh, yes. and then yeah so a lot of baseball is going on i guess it's the summertime so yeah there's a lot of parenting because the kids are yeah school and stuff. yeah because the kids are off but it just like going into summer you just tell yourself like oh i'm gonna have so much time for writing and it's almost like the worst time because it's so nice out you don't want yeah, to it's so nice. So in your basement, <laughs> there's no, there's a complete lack of, uh, of the structure. On the other hand, my improv company just won best live theater in the Reader's Choice Niagara this week. Noise, boop 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 boop, which I think is huge. Uh, because it's a good audience, people who read and live in Niagara, right? <laughs> those, those are the people you're looking for, Ray. Yeah. Um, but other than that, we've started doing some live improv shows again, which is very exciting. I'm working Yay. on I'm, I didn't tell you this, but I'm working on a new podcast, but it's not <gasps> I know, how dare I? <laughs> but it's uh, not an interview one. It's like narrative Im- improvised. Oh. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. So cool, that'll cool. be fun. I don't think I don't know if it's I'm not based on Dungeons and Dragons, is it? No, because I don't play I've never played D D. Okay, cool. Oh my goodness, Dave and I finished our sketch show that we've been working on forever so that's <laughs> yay exciting. uh so we're doing a read through coming up soon and that's gonna be fun so that's what's going on on my end uh i also bought a, 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 a an external drive so that if ever i uh, <laughs> if ever i lose an episode again which this is huh. this is why we're uh this is why we're, we're a whole week late dropping the episode 
um, because I and we were early too. I know we that were so early. Such we sweet like irony. I know, um, but it won't. But we got again. we were able. Sorry, we were able to get more in depth in this one. I think because I think of it. So. Yeah, I think so too. So. Um, you're you're really going to enjoy this episode with Catherine Naker. Um, you get to find out a lot about her and her uh, story. You know starting out navigating the world of writing comedy for television in Canada, which is really awesome. She's working on some shows for CBC right now. And uh, I think you're really going to dig it. So, you know, strap in and enjoy. Mm -hmm. We're so excited to be joined uh, once again. (laughs) (laughs) with a, a tremendous writer and stand-up comic and a producer um Catherine Naker thank you so much for being here yeah thanks for having me yeah I feel like last time I didn't mention producer because I didn't know but of course this is one of the episodes these are one of these episodes that every podcaster has where they um, accidentally deleted the episode and we're <laughs> recording it again like if it's the first time so yeah. welcome back Catherine. thanks for having me back you know sometimes sequels are better than the original that's what and i hear you, you just gotta shake it off man you just gotta shake it off that's right i love it let's let's godfather part two this <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> Uh, I I forgot to mention that you're also a podcaster because right before we started recording, you mentioned that uh, in the world of sports, it's it's kind of impossible to have to do a redo because the sports have already continued. There's already been more sports since when you recorded. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> don't, no, don't worry that you didn't mention it before. I don't even remember that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I do both an NBA and a WNBA podcast. So the NBA one's called Buckets and Tea and the WNBA one is called The Pickup. That's very cool. Yeah. So WNBA season on now? Uh, they're actually current. Well, as we're recording this, they're on break for the Olympics. So they right, take cool. an Olympic break and then resume again. But I guess a bunch of them must be at the Olympics right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, So the American team is all WNBA players. Uh, Team Canada has three WNBA players. Um, We just lost to Spain. So it looks like we're not advancing to uh, the quarterfinals. Or I think like if if a certain team loses or something happens, like we might still make it, but it's it's looking kind of doubtful. But you know what? It's still progress for basketball in Canada uh, to make it that far. I think they haven't medaled. I researched this year since 1936. Wow. So it's been a long time uh, for uh, women's basketball in Canada, but you know, slowly but surely uh, making a comeback. Yeah. And the, how are the men doing? How's Team Canada? The men didn't team? even qualify for oh, the no. this year. Isn't that crazy? I mean, well, there's enough um, basketball players on the men's side in the NBA that we can have an all-NBA team. But there were a lot of injuries this year uh. and just other things like that, and it just didn't break our way. I think, you know what, for this year, like, it's it's been a weird Olympics. Like it's just, Yeah, for sure they're still calling it 2020, which I yeah. think is just really bad branding. Like nobody wants to go back in time a year. <laughs> it's disconcerting to watch or to just see all the signage say 2020 on it. Yeah. Still. Are we still stuck in this? 
Yeah, it's a bad decision. You know, there's no fans. But they printed all the t-shirts already. Exactly. Yeah, that's probably, you know what? I bet that's all it is. That they just printed the t-shirts already. (laughs) (laughs) They already made the merch. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's a weird Olympics. I think the good news is that uh, it's the next one's in three years and not four. So you can have a lot of the same people more likely come back. So that'll be, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I guess this is, yeah, this is the first time I still have cable and I know few people out there still have cable. And I wonder Mm. like the experience of watching the Olympics must be very different this year compared to years in the past. Or I mean, well, I have cable because I currently live with my mom, but that's changing. I found an apartment in Toronto, so I'll be moving back to Toronto as of October. Oh, the the Hamilton stays over. I know the Hamilton stay is going to come to an end. Yeah. Well, that's that's going to change our whole discussion about your struggles, because the last Hamilton had was how you were still (laughs) staying in your parents place. Uh, And we're going to have to figure out a different struggle but oh no there's there's still be struggles there'll be (laughs) i don't doubt that there won't be other struggles to discuss that's great Uh, where are you moving in toronto not like you don't have to give us a specific address yeah we We don't don't need the corners we don't have to like the ball yeah yeah like near runny made subway station oh i love it i love yeah high park area yeah Mm -hmm. it's nice i love bloor west village i lived there ish for a while yeah, I worked at that old Humber movie theater, which is no longer open, but it was still pretty cool for it. Right. I wonder if it's still there. That's the weird thing. It's like, I don't even know what still exists or doesn't exist right now. Yeah. It yeah. is weird to go into Toronto and be like, oh, that like last year, that was not a condo. And now there'll, there'll be like five more huge condo buildings by yeah. the time we get back there. Yeah, I think like one of the most depressing things about living in Toronto during the pandemic, because I moved to Hamilton in January 2021. So um, it was just all the the shutdown storefronts and like you would walk down a street and it was just like store doesn't exist, store doesn't exist, like closed, closed, closed. And that was super depressing. Yeah, that's like 70s New York vibes. Yeah. Yeah. It really was like, like I, like sometimes like, you know, you go on daily walks and sometimes I just be like, Oh, I want to go to like a different neighborhood. And it was just like store permanently closed store. permanently uh, closed. That's it. Like queen West used to be such a unique little place to go shopping because there were always so many cool and, and unique little stores. I remember even like in the nineties visiting Toronto and thinking it was such a cool Mm -hmm. part of the city. And now you're right. Like a bunch of closed, shops a bunch of new condos or the shops that are taking over the storefronts are just like you know big corporate yeah it's like a chipotle now exactly or this is a new telus get your phone fixed kind of spot or whatever yeah (laughs) Um, yeah yeah yeah. all that sort of uniqueness of it is is disappearing yeah i mean i hope at least some of it comes back you know but yeah i have to say that was like oh Cause it's not like you're getting a ton of nature walks in the city. Yeah. You know? no. yeah. So it was like, yeah, that was pretty depressing. I have Although Runny Mead, you will be pretty close to high park. So that's nice. Yeah. I'll have some nature walks uh, by this new place. That's cool. High park is huge too, right? Yeah. Is it designed by the same guy that did the central park in New York? 
or am I completely? No, I think um, I think you're confusing it with the park in Niagara Falls, New York, Nick, because that one was designed oh. by one of the guys who designed Central Park. Really? Okay. That yeah. guy just designed parks? parks. Yeah, what I a think cool he did job. Some, I think he did some golf course stuff, too. That's why I know. That's where it. the real money's at. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Gotcha. I love designing the parks, but the real money's in golf courses. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what and how about? I mean, this is a bummer. I know we're talking. Well, here are some struggles for real. We're already talking about is the struggle of Catherine, of course, performs comedy. How many of these mm. comedy clubs have closed since? Oh God! Yeah. Or like, or or bars where they is comedy bar okay? Comedy bars, comedy good? bars okay. Yeah, cool. they closed down Bad Dog Theater, but I think um, they said that. Uh, uh, sorry, I, I'm probably paraphrasing here, but I believe that they want to reopen it at an accessible venue. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's for sure. Which is really nice. Well, you normally, know, we, no, normally we only go direct quotes, but we'll let you paraphrase. <laughs> it's, it's been tough times. Well, I just like I just. OK, yeah. I mean, I just hope that that's actually an accurate statement because that's the last I heard is okay. more what I mean, as opposed yeah. to par paraphrase was probably the wrong word. <laughs> My apologies. I mean, I think I'm struggling. You're technically I'm struggling. Right. That's the theme. <laughs> uh, but even places like the Ossington and I think there were a couple yeah, of like, R.I.P. the Ossington. Yeah, that was were... a real fun place. Yeah. So I was supposed to record my comedy album there. Talk ah. about struggles. I had my my comedy album date, like re the recording oh. booked for oh. April in 2020. Oh. And I was getting all geared up for it. And then it all shut down. And now it's been like a year and a half. So and I really want to get this album recorded. And it looks like I'm, you know, fingers crossed, like I'll hopefully be able to do this before the end of the year. But I haven't been on stage in a very yeah. long time. I like I, I did a little a few shows last year in the summer okay. um in that brief window when things were open again yeah. but i like i haven't been on stage in almost a full year and even last year it was hardly like maybe i got in like 10 shows so really it's been a, a year and a half since i was consistently performing and I don't know what jokes are like completely relevant <laughs> yeah, like anymore. Like what, like what's yeah. going to still resonate with people? That's what I, I was going to ask uh, what, like if yeah. the material is still relevant enough to bring up to, yeah. I don't know. Like I you had a so. solid, you had a solid 10 on, don't you hate packed elevators or <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't it be nice to get some alone time for what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What a good I mean, point. I don't know. I, I'm still hopeful that I'll that I'll have enough. Like, I don't want a COVID album because oh, God, I no. want something that's evergreen. And I I strongly believe like a lot of people have talked about like, oh, like being creative during this time and writing and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no one is going to be nostalgic for <laughs> this era in time. Like, it's kind of yeah. like the Great Depression. Like, there's not a lot of Great Depression movies because nobody's trying to go back there. You know, right. so everybody's like, oh, no, the 60s and like things like that. instead. Yeah. But nobody is trying to do like another Great Depression movie. That's yeah, what like, COVID reminds me of. There's like one. It's like Grapes of Wrath. And then that's it. That's, that's our it. one. We don't need to go back. We're done. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so I I want something that's a bit more evergreen. I don't want to like if I write a joke about now, it, it might be just framed and like 
you know, being alone or something like that, but I'll try and frame it. So it's not around like the pandemic specifically. Yeah. I think, I think Bo Burnham took care of it for us. The pandemic one. If you, if you want right. to get nostalgic, just watch that one and you're good. Yes. I've heard, I haven't watched that one yet, but I've heard very good things oh, about it. I really liked it. It really bummed me out. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> in, a, in the way it was supposed to. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's the other thing. I'm not in the mood to watch anything that's going to bum me out. Yeah, I'm just not. I'm back there. I I feel like during the pandemic, it was like only comedy, only things that are uplifting. And now I think that things are opening up again. I'm like, okay, I can handle it. Bring on some sad shit. I'll probably feel better once I I move. Yeah. Back back in my own space again. Well, that's great. And I'm glad, you know, I I, I think you're right about pandemic comedy. I think people are going to be going to clubs to hear you know, like to, to stop thinking about it, right? They don't want to hear about COVID anymore. So if you're still talking about, you know, your experiences during COVID as a stand-up comic, although I'm curious to see, you know, people, I'm sure people- the have shared had, experience though, yeah, eh? Yeah, exactly. The very- I think for now, like if you're doing a live show, it would be fine. But I think in a recording or something that's going to be like long lasting, like yeah. at, like a year from now, like something you want people to listen to a year from now, I, I think maybe not. But I think for now, that's fine because we're all just coming out of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, good point. Well, why don't we rewind a little bit, Catherine, and maybe you can let us know uh, how, how it is you got into comedy in the first place. How did you discover this, uh, you know, right, like, right. The art form? Where do I, like, where do I start? Or like, were you a class clown in high school? Absolutely not. Absolutely (laughs) not. I was a drama kid, though. I really enjoyed acting. Um, That was something I did. But I wasn't, uh, no, I was definitely not a class clown. I was very, like, sit at the back of the class, uh, strategically looking down at my paper, pretending to write something so a, a teacher wouldn't call me out to try and answer any questions <laughs> like I really uh wanted to disappear but um yeah how I got into it was I really wanted to be a writer like I started mm. taking screenwriting classes and I wanted to be a writer and then I, re- I when I, I kind of reached a point in my life where I was sort of writing just kind of as a hobby mm-hmm. and decided I didn't want this to be a hobby anymore I wanted this to be a real thing and really didn't know where to start and like literally I googled how to become a comedy writer because like that's how much I didn't know where to start and I decided I wanted to do comedy because I kind of hate drama like it wasn't so much that I mean there's some dramas I really love but um like like a madman for example is like one of my favorite Uh, all-time shows but when you think about like writing jobs and it's like okay like if I got a job on like a law and order would I want to write on that show and it's like the answer is like no like I really (laughs) don't want to write on that show where I feel like I could write for any comedy Mm. you know what I mean it's just for me it's like it's some it's one thing for me to spend an hour watching a show about a murder and it's another thing to spend not 40 realistically more like 60 hours a week thinking about that murder like that's not for me (laughs) I guess that's for a lot of other people but that is not for me so then I was like okay well how can I do comedy and then I found out that a lot of comedy writers are in fact comedians and then I thought well that's not that's kind of crazy but (laughs) maybe I could take this class and like sketch 
and Hmm. see if I can actually be funny or not. And so I took this sketch comedy class, which I was telling you was with Paul Bellini. Oh, I love him. Paul Bellini is from Kids in the Hall. And uh, Paul Bellini was really great. And in this sketch writing class, we were also encouraged to also write monologues. And so we did a little class show and it was all cheesy and cute. And you invite some of your friends and family and it's all like way too supportive probably (laughs) (laughs) just like the real Uh, comedy world yeah you know we do this little class show and at the end like paul comes up to me and he was like Catherine, you should do stand up and i was like oh haha thanks paul like i just thought it was a very generous compliment but then he emailed me after the class was over and he was like, Catherine, I'm serious. You should do stand up. And I was like, whoa, like this guy from Kids in the Hall is telling me <laughs> that I should do stand up comedy. So then I gave it a shot. And then like the first like six months, I didn't do a ton of shows. And then actually this part, I don't think I got into the first time we recorded. So this is kind of nice um, or kind of, I don't know, it's a bit of a dark story, but anyways, I had a very good friend, uh, Harvinder who passed away from cancer. Mm-hmm. And so I took some time away from comedy and I really didn't know if I was going to go back to it or not. Um, but then uh, this girl who used to run an open mic named Karen Mitten, uh, oh my goodness, Neth, I remember her. Right? Yeah. Uh, she used to run this open mic at Not My Dog. Is that where yeah. it was? Yes. Yeah. And uh, she was like, Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Do you want to do a set? And just, uh, she just hit me at the right time in the right moment in like my grieving process and all of that. And I decided I was ready to come back, scrapped whatever the hell I did the first like few shows of my life, they were all terrible. Um, rewrote a whole new set and just started hitting open mics really hard and, and never looked back. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I completely yeah. accidentally fell into this whole life. How, may I ask, how old were you? Not that that's like super. Oh, no, that, no, it is kind of important. I was like 28, 29. Okay, great. So you're starting a little bit later than than most of the, well, a lot of the. Yeah, I had a whole career doing like production coordinating, production management stuff in in film and TV. Oh, that's cool. That's right. Well, I mean, I knew you when you were working. That's why I knew from CBC. At CBC, that's right. Uh, what so were you, the, what was your job at CBC? Like I'd, exactly. I, I had a couple different jobs. I was mostly doing admin work. Uh, but yeah. I was a production assistant on Steven and Chris for one season. Oh, that's right. And wait, what was your, like, what departments were you doing admin work for? At first I was in supply management. That was my foot in the door. Okay. <laughs> and which is just ordering shit. I barely, oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, I barely know what supply management yeah, is. Yeah. Okay. It's like, uh, any, you know, cameras and shit or, you know, office, anything from cameras and oh, office yeah. supplies to whatever the CBC needed, they would go through supply management to get the best deals and what more man's bridges more. Yeah. We, that's where we <laughs> keep our man's bridge clones. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then the, then there were a bunch of cuts. So that position got cut and because it was a union, they had to put me in a different position. Uh, so I, applied for the Stephen and Chris production job which was awesome I really enjoyed that but then Chris passed away right and, yeah and then that was really awful yeah it was brutal uh, yeah so they didn't renew that show and then they put me in communication so the rest of the uh 
the rest of the time I was an executive assistant in the communications department. I feel like I remember you most in communications. Oh shit. I forgot. I also did the Pan Am game. So I was in sports as well for a while. Oh, cool. Yeah. That was pretty cool too. Yeah. During Pan Am. Oh man, those were long. Anyway, this yeah, is about I did, me, I, Catherine. This no, is but you. I'm cu- I'm curious. Like I also did a few jobs there. My first job was in a department they call scheduling. Ooh. But what it was was booking the in studio crews for various shows. So huh. okay, there was like Hockey Night in Canada, or like Stephen and Chris, or like right. all the stuff they did in house, including news. But news was kind of a separate thing. Um, and I did a bunch of random stuff there for a while. That was my sort of foot in the door. Although I was never permanent. I was never a permanent employee. So when I was let go, I was let go. But then people would remember me and kind of bring me back, which was nice. And then I spent some time as an executive assistant, executive assistant number two to uh, Heather Conway, who's the former VP. That's when I remember. Yes. And you were probably in communications at that time. Probably because otherwise I don't think I would have known or cared yeah, who I think Heather that's, was. Yeah. Yeah. That's how we would have crossed paths. And then uh, I also spent some time just doing like random, like time card stuff. Yeah. Time card implementing for people part time um, for like, I want to say I ended up doing that for like two years. Jeez. But that was like, honestly, I kind of blew it with that gig because that was a sweet gig. Cause <laughs> like, cause I, cause now like I get writing jobs, but they're not permanent. And so it's like, I need to go away for a while, but then I kind of need to come back and I need like a job again. Yeah. God, I wish I had that. That was such an easy job. Oh my God. Yep. It's just the easiest job. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's important because it's like, if you fuck up, that's really bad that someone's pay. So it's like, right. there's a level of responsibility there that's important, but it's so easy. Yeah. You're just putting in sort of numbers into a system, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, it was weird because it was like, oh, God, this is some boring admin stuff. But you know what? I don't get to talk about admin shit with people. Yeah, it's you know? a part of the process. Yeah, because it's not just like, oh, this person works so many hours today. No, it's how many hours did they spend on each show, each Whoa. project, because each Ugh. thing is its own budget. Oh, of course. And so their time versus every show had to be accounted for yes. or if it was like non-billable or billable it's like you know this is corporate shit corporate yeah shit. this is what makes me relatable to the people Bree. <laughs> yes, man if all jeez uh, i never considered talking about you know like which account do i put this travel uh, which uh, uh, which account in this yeah. show do i as- uh, associate this travel uh hours to you know people like- don't <laughs> think this stuff is important but this is what keeps the world going round damn it true is us allocating hours to shit to, shit. <laughs> to different call what are they called they're called call no they're called cost, cost centers? centers cost centers oh. there we go, there go. <laughs> see oh, nick man. you got cost centers we do yeah yeah everybody knows awesome i think we might have called them dockets oh we used cost centers even within the same organization we're using yeah probably technology or maybe i'm just mixing jobs up at this point but anyway yeah but you're saying now so you're writing now so i love the idea that it's like yeah i get to go in and write and do my dream job but shit man it's (laughs) it's only temporary yeah and then i I need another job yeah but at least you get to do the thing right yeah i mean hopefully i'm i you know i get to the point where i just have enough writing work that i don't need any other kind of work and and, and, you know i slowly feel like i am inching towards 
that place, but I don't feel a hundred percent there, but I'm getting much closer. Like also to like, once I finally get this comedy album recorded and all of that, like that revenue is going to help too. So I'll get there at some point. It's just, it's more like, how am I going to get through the next like year or two? Not that, Oh, I need some other side job forever. If that makes sense. Mm, Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, what kind of writing projects? I know we talked about it a little bit, but what kind of writing projects have you been working on? Uh, So most recently I got to write on a new show that's going to be on CBC called Son of a Critch. I just saw Starring Mark Critch. Just saw an (laughs) ad for it. And I was like, ah, that's a show gathered round on. Yeah. I, you know, God, Canadians and their show titles, eh? Like, (laughs) oh my God. But uh, that's the problem with every pitch I've ever had is that there isn't a twist on a swear word. Like that's (laughs) You need a naughty one. Yeah. That's what I need to do uh, next time uh, I pitch something. No, but it was actually, it was a really, it was actually a a really uh, positive experience and everyone I worked with was really cool. And I really do hope that the show is uh, successful. So uh, that'll come out. I think it's in January of 2022 that that show is going to debut on air. So yeah, it's cool. It's a big deal for me. I know this is a struggle pod, but it's a big deal. (laughs) for me because I got to write an episode this is my first ever written by Catherine like episode of television well that's just it we want to talk about the successes because then we can you know then the the matter the fact of the matter is that the success or sorry the struggle was worth it right the struggles have been worth it because ultimately you get to you get to write your own episode and I think uh, one thing that you were mentioning last time is this whole writing process took place during COVID right yeah yeah we we did the whole thing on zoom right isn't that crazy funnest place there is isn't that like you know this it's weird because like i've heard of a lot of writing rooms on zoom where people are just like you know on the zoom all day like a lot of workplaces but i i don't know why exactly um our showrunner decided to do this and also too like some we were in different locations so like a few of us were in the Toronto area or and the or at least this time zone eastern time and then three people were in LA and then another two people were in Newfoundland oh man so You're we like- were working with three different time zones cool. and so we would start at 10 eastern but that's like 7 pacific right so they were starting the day at 7 a.m. and we were in Newfoundland right exactly 10 30 in newfoundland and or is it 11 i think it's 11 hour and a half yeah yeah so it was 11 their time and uh we would only be on zoom for like two hours and we would discuss stuff and then it would be like okay and break and then whoever the writer was would go off and do their thing So it it was very different, very unorthodox, but I personally uh, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, I was, well, maybe that's it. Maybe you, you nailed it. Like that's the reason why you were only on for two hours is because you had to deal with all these different time zones. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, so when you were assigned an episode, did you just sort of take it away on your own and work on it? Is that how it? uh, Uh, So basically this was a very unique situation because um, this was based on a book 
um, uh, called son of a critch, which is based on Mark Critch's life. So it's based on a book, but it's also based on his life. Okay. So he already had all of these stories and he wrote these like massively long outlines, like eight, 10 pages long outlines and would send them to us to read the night before. So we already had like a base to like, to oh, start man. from. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, okay. So Catherine, this is going to be your episode. That's cool. And I would just be like, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> cool. I don't know, you know? And then, and then you just kind of take it away. So there was like the source material, which was really helpful. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah that would obviously be a very it's not like you have to invent anything right you're just uh yeah like I think in future seasons it'll be really different because then it's like okay well now we're coming up with stories from scratch because we've yeah. used up all the real life ones so well that's interesting what does that yeah. look like I so don't is, know we'll is Mark see Critch like himself or is he a character of himself he's playing his dad in the show oh, oh cool Okay. Yeah, which is very cool. Yeah, he's playing right. his dad. And he's actually like, uh, I, I'm not just saying this. He's honestly like a very gifted storyteller, I would say. Like, he's very colorful in the way he tells his stories. And like, something is so simple as like, um, I guess I'm not, okay, this is a historical fact. So I'm not giving this away. Okay. There was a time in the 80s when Newfoundland first got cucumbers. <laughs> they didn't have cucumbers before the 80s and he would talk about this like this was a really big day and he <laughs> even sent us a pdf of a cucumber recipe book <laughs> that was going around town it was like by the government or something like just going around town trying to introduce people to cucumbers did they start growing cucumbers in Newfoundland? yeah i think yeah. so i think that's what it was there was like a greenhouse and they started growing them so they're like you have to eat these because yeah because we we've got you. so many of them now <laughs> listen we went all in on the cucumbers <laughs> we gotta get through this well not a lot yeah, of stuff and it's grows like in newfoundland it's something like so simple and he just tells it in such a way that's so funny oh, yes i just feel bad for those people that planted zucchinis by accident <laughs> yeah <laughs> they are or people so who didn't know what to do and they tried to cook or saute them you know <laughs> oh. Just soggy cucumber, <laughs> soggy, soggy cucumbers. Yeah, but uh, they are. You know, there's some really great raconteurs in the East Coast for sure. They, there's a way about. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a way about. Uh, they're a whole culture. They're a whole moment onto themselves for sure. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love it. Oh well, that's cool. Um, did you have you do you have experience writing on other projects or is this your like big? This is the first like big deal, Catherine TV show. Yay. <laughs> um, I have written on stuff before. Um, I guess like I got my first break writing for the Beaverton. And uh, I got that literally just by doing stand up. And I was at a, a real grimy open mic, uh, <laughs> the Central, RIP the Central. That's well, another great yeah. venue uh, gone. Um, you know, it was by the whole Mervish area right. uh and uh it was like it was like a bring your new jokes kind of show like test out your new material kind of stuff and it was just comics performing to each other like workshopping stuff and little did i know that in the next room over because the central was a bar that was kind of divided into different rooms and the next room over was where uh the beaverton would meet 
That's to right. discuss articles oh. like they would meet in this random bar and so one of the editors jacob have to give him a shout out was watching my show and then reached out to me because he really liked my material Amazing. and so i ended up writing for the website for a bit and then eventually they brought me on to the the tv show so that was really cool and then awesome. from there i got to be like a script coordinator which is like a entry level writer's room position you're taking notes for people things like that um for the mr d show so that oh. was really cool uh, i was really fun doing that and then i got to write on 22 minutes which was awesome right, and yeah. then mark i was like when even for this show i was like i don't even know if mark Critch like remembers me i didn't right. end up getting the gig through him but it's just one of those like everybody kind of knows each other things and then uh after that like i just had a bunch of random small gigs like i wrote for a video game which was really cool oh, yeah, and that is cool. did some like punch up work on other random shows and yeah just just i don't know it's weird reciting my uh resume your resume like yes. <laughs> but it's just uh yeah you know it's just one leads to the other in this very weird way yeah oh man i took an improv class with the guy who founded the beaverton newspaper oh remember laurent Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I never got to meet him. Yeah. It's crazy. It's just crazy how the connections that you make in, in the mm -hmm, comedy world, mm -hmm, the Toronto mm -hmm. comedy world. Um, yeah. I, I Was it know. ever at like a physical paper? Mm -hmm. How old is the Beaverton then? Not that old. I oh, okay. Cool. Maybe 10, maybe 10 years. You think the paper? Eight, 10? I think it Wait, might what? be 10 years old now. Yeah. I don't know. Is it older than The Onion? No. Oh wait. Okay. All right. No, because it would have been inspired. But the onion is like at, the onion's probably twenty years old now. Uh. Okay. <laughs> the onion's been around. Wow. And Actually, I'm so curious now. How long has the onion been around? We're gonna look this up live yeah. via podcast. I turned off my phone because it was beeping, so I can't Google for you guys. Every once in a while, my watch yells at. Sorry, me, you might so hear my typing because I just did it on my laptop. Eighty-eight. <laughs> Oh, way oh, older wow. than it's I thought. Older than that, yeah. Cool. Yeah, we so learned funny. a thing. We learned <laughs> a thing today. So, which do you prefer, writing or doing stand up or performing stand up, I should say? Because obviously you have to write your jokes as well. Um, I prefer writing as a means to make a living. Okay. Let's put it that way. Because, uh, I, I kind of, you know, it, because of the, I guess the later start in life mm. doing this, like, I think if I had started when I was like in my teen years, like some people I know who are phenomenal now, or like, you know, even at like the age of 20 or 21, which I feel is kind of the average age for stand-up yeah. comedians to get their, to get started. I think if I started at that age, I would have had it in me to tour more and to yeah. like work up that reputation with other clubs to build your way up to being a headliner, you know, and that kind of thing. But to hmm. starting later, I was like, I don't know if I have it in me. And also, I that because it's like those bills. 
yeah like there's just something about being in your mid-30s being like i'm gonna take greyhound buses to all these random cities and i'm gonna crash on people's couches that i don't know but they're a friend of a friend and also a comic and i kind of like that comedians do that for each other but it's just like like just oh my back like my back hurts just thinking <laughs> yeah. about it like yeah. i don't i don't have that in me at this age so i and fortunately for me i do genuinely love writing and writing is the thing that brought me into all of this in the first place so i in no way do i feel like i'm settling or anything like that but i just think the quality of life as a writer is just so much better that it just makes so much sense on every level for me at this stage in my life to focus on writing i love stand-up i'll always do it but stand-up for me is whatever I can get out of it is amazing. I definitely want to make money from it, but it's that's the passion thing, if yeah. that makes sense. It's not Absolutely. just a passion project, but that's the thing I do for for fun. Yeah. Interesting. Can we, I, I've got a, I'd love to know a little bit more about your writing process. Like, what does that look like to you when you're working on, we have talked about this and I don't think we mentioned it last time, but I'm curious about it. What does it look like when you've got, I don't know, something that you need to write, something that you're working on? Do you, well, do you... nothing fuels me more than a deadline. I'll tell okay. you that because it's just so easy to get distracted or to just not be able to feel focused. I'll say this, like the, the biggest transition for me between being a hobby writer and being a professional writer wasn't the money. It was writing when I wasn't in the mood to write. That to me is the biggest difference. I love that. I love that because that's, I see a lot of that. I see that as being the advice given what were you writing when you didn't feel like writing? You know what I mean? What were the things? Was it scripts? Same, the same shit, but worse. Okay. The same, <laughs> just the same thing, but it was garbage before oh. it was good. Okay, uh, cool. Right. Like stand, stand up material, like sketches, uh, scripts. What I've written, yeah, I've written some sketches, but it hasn't been my um, forte. Um, although I've gotten paid to write sketches, which nice. is amazing, but, uh, no, it was writing screenplays, writing mainly, right. te- mainly TV pilots. Although I have attempted mm. a feature and I want to attempt to feature again, but it's just like, it's just a big undertaking and it, and it's hard to prioritize over the TV writing, Yeah, but you're um, getting paid to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, that's really in my process. I don't have a process. I wish I had a process. Like I envy morning people who have routines, like, holy, wow. Like I sleep in as long as possible. I I wish I could. (laughs) If your process starts in the afternoon, that's fine. (laughs) I want a go to sleep at 3am and wake up at 11 normalized in the world like that would be that Uh. is my natural clock that is you know some people are like no I'm a morning person no I'm a night person I am a afternoon person okay like I get my best thinking done between like 3 and 7 p.m. I am there with you 100% yeah yeah that is so it's for me it's just about having deadlines So even, so before I was getting paid to write, what I would do is, okay, here's a, here's a process thing. I would 
look up screenwriting competitions that mm. I wanted to apply for. And so I would, I used to have like a Google alert, like every month to remind me to Google deadlines if they weren't posted yet. And then once those deadlines got posted, I would mark them in my calendar and then I would do my best to make those deadlines. So I I definitely didn't make every deadline, but I probably made maybe half of the deadlines I would put in my calendar in a year. That's amazing. Which is like not bad, you know, like maybe I would apply to like four contests instead of eight like that's not terrible that's and yeah so that's how I would do it and that's how I would keep myself motivated and you're building the experience of writing when you don't want to write yes exactly because you're working towards a goal exactly Mm -hmm. so like that that was really important instead of just like writing for fun and then like maybe showing it to a friend it's like you're gonna be doing that for years you're gonna wake up one day and be like oh god I started this like five years ago yeah this is my pilot this is what we're talking about yeah yeah I'm still working on it because I haven't well I gave myself a deadline and then I didn't like the ending so now (laughs) I have to rewrite an ending but I haven't had a deadline imposed anyway that's okay well you got you just need a a new one then yeah perfect well I'm happy if you want notes let me know oh my god amazing I will Mm -hmm. that's awesome so how many pilots do you have written after having submitted like to all of these competitions I love this I'm interested because we don't I feel like not a lot of people talk about the writing process because Mm. it's such a solo endeavor well, okay. I, this is a weird one to answer because I, I, I rewrote one three times. And when I say rewrote, I mean every single page was different. Well, yes. I right. Love so that. there's drafts, right? There's like first draft, second draft, third draft. And then there's, I am throwing this out. I'm keeping the characters and the general premise and I am completely rewriting this mm. all over again. And my I, first ever pilot, I ended up doing that twice. I love and that. This, and then my my current pilot, the one that like I'm proud of and has actually gotten me work, I have also done that process twice. So I don't know how many drafts of anything I've written at this point. I've completely lost count, honestly. But um, but I have rewritten a concept purely from scratch at least six times that's amazing. and now I'm working on a new pilot so it'll be seven it's amazing to hear that because I feel like there must be writers listening and there must be writers out there who are like struggling to even do draft number one and mm-hmm. to know mm-hmm. like in order to achieve the work that you want to do yeah you're gonna have to do this over and over again and that's just part of it right? That's just part of the process. You're not just going to have a script that you have and it's perfect, you know, like you, you're going to go back and change it and fix it and tweak it and everything. It, I think. Yeah. And and I think like, I'm sure Brie, like you'll, you'll relate to this. It's just like, you kind of have to, especially in comedy, you have to flip your perspective on failure, right? Cause like in comedy, it's like, you're gonna bomb, you're gonna have bad nights and you really have to look at those bad nights as opportunities to be better, or you're just not going to survive in the the genre. Like you're just not. Cause it's like every time, like I do a show and it doesn't go well, you know, I got myself to the point where it's like, Oh, okay. I'm going to work on that joke or I'm going to drop that joke. Mm-hmm. from my set because it didn't work but it's not like a 
this personal toll that I'm taking, like that was actually a hard lesson for me to learn. Like I say that now, like it's so easy. That definitely (laughs) took me some time, but it's the same with writing. It's like, you know, every draft I write, I become a better writer. So even if it's not working or it's not at its best, it's like, I'm becoming a better writer. And now it takes fewer drafts for me to have something that's really good. That's a, mm-hmm. a really great mindset, I think. And it's it's something I tell people in improv a lot who, uh, you know, f- get in their heads very easily. Uh, and it's like part of this process is to not be great at it, right? Nobody just starts off a pro. You Sucking is part of it. Eating shit is part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you can't, yeah, if you, you have to get used to getting something out of it even when you're failing quote unquote because it's still not a it's still not a failure because you've learned something from it right in stand-up oh you've learned maybe i need to work on this joke more in improv you've learned ah maybe i maybe i did maybe i denied my offers too much you know maybe i didn't say yes enough you know in writing Uh i imagine it's 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 similar it's i've got to i've got to just keep writing what is it that sets up that huge wall of like the expectation that the first time you write something it's got to be good like what is that like a is that like an innate innate human thing of not wanting to be crap at things or uh is it like entitlement we live in our society and all we see are the successes of other people we never see all the failure and the work that went into things that we enjoy watching Personally, I think it's ego. I think we think um, because if if it's not if it's not perfect, a lot of people just throw it out or not look at it again because it's harder to look at yourself and admit that I I did something that wasn't great, and I've got to keep working on it. It's hard mm-hmm. for your ego to accept that you're not good at a thing. It's hard for your ego to accept that you ate shit. But if you you have to trick your ego into thinking, you know, this is, or into knowing that it's part of the process and it'll start sort of defending you so, so much. That's, I don't know. That's my, my thoughts. Catherine, what do you think? I I agree with that. And I'll also add like as performers, and I'm sure even to an extent writers as well, it's like, there is this need for validation there. And I think that is a part of ambition and drive in a way that a lot of people don't want to admit. And I think like for me personally, like I had to eventually, and I I can honestly say I was only really successful in doing this maybe a year ago, let go of needing validation and look and really look at my career from the lens of how am I going to live my best life? And it's not about what other people think or what other people are doing or, or anything like that. And, you know, that takes, (laughs) that's also ego in a way too, right? Like needing validation and blah, blah, blah. But I'm sure it comes from some other broken place. I'm probably not going to get into here, but (laughs) I think, uh, I think both those things are, are true. People generally, they don't want to be bad at something, but I think, you know, at first it's like, oh, what's driving us to want to be better and better? And it's like, because we need people to tell us we're good. Mm-hmm. It's like we're waiting for permission to do these things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah. Nobody ever, you know, when you when you have an office job, it's not like you're asking permission to, you know, 
check your email. I don't know. You know, I've <laughs> <laughs> apply the appropriate cost centers, but I think there's some <laughs> creative work that you ha- it's almost like we're like, I need permission to be able to. I know I've seen this in like women in stand up. I've taught a class to women in stand up and it's just kind of like well, they just needed permission is to 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 Aww. know that what they were going to say was valid. I feel like in stand up. Mm especially when we're starting off, I feel like there are a lot of men who have a lot of opinions and they're like, I was just going to go up and talk because what I, you know, because everybody right. will listen because I'm a young white man or whatever the case may be. But some women I think hold back. It's like, what if I don't think it's fun? What if people don't think it's funny? What if don't, people don't think it's good? Uh, and it's kind of like, well, yeah, but what if it's great? Uh, and the only way you can find out is by actually doing it. So go, right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. That's very empowering. Very true. Yeah. We got into it. Yeah. Uh, when we're talking about uh, your performing stand-up and stuff, that's like one advantage over writing is you get the audience reaction or validation, if you want to call it immediately. Whereas like if you're writing a thing, mm. unless you're getting that like uh, submitted to a contest or, you know, you're already getting perf- uh, paid for it, you're never going to get any feedback. And you're just like, you know, shouting into the void (laughs) hoping it's It's true i mean it's true Uh, when i was doing both earlier on that was actually really hard because i got used to having instant validation instant gratification and doing it for the long haul felt like yeah i don't know how to describe it but it was definitely more challenging at one point because of those reasons but I don't know. I think eventually just because I kept with it and then I guess started to get work, I started to find some balance because then people yeah. in the stand-up world would be like, oh, you wrote for this or oh, you wrote for that. And then the best is when people question whether or not you deserve it because that's when you know you're doing well. Wow. Right? <laughs> that's when you know you're doing well is when people wonder if you deserved it or not. Uh, <laughs> I, I wonder if that's like a universal thing or because I noticed a lot of that in Toronto. <laughs> I wonder if it's everywhere. Oh, it probably is. It must be. I'm sure it is, but I I think like, honestly, it makes me grateful that I started later Mm. because I think if I was like in my early twenties, I wouldn't be able to handle those emotions as, as well. And I would have cared way too much, right. About what other people thought, you know, people always like to say, I don't care what other people think of me, but like, yeah, you do. You do. As soon as you say that, it's a huge indicator that you think it's the same with the teacher. Who's like, I don't want you guys to spoon feed all my stuff back. Whenever I would get that in university, it was like, (laughs) yes, you spoon feed all this back immediately. (laughs) (laughs) The only people who don't are like psychopaths, right? Or do they? Maybe they do. do. Anyway. (laughs) Maybe yeah. psychopaths care too much. They care, but in a bad way. In a different like, way. Like, I'm going to use this. <laughs> yeah, to my True, advantage. true. Now, speaking of psychopaths, we all go Ooh. through struggles in our life. <laughs> is there anything, now you're moving back to, now you're moving back to Toronto. Mm. Uh, is there anything, I don't know, what What are your current struggles? What's happening right now for Catherine that's like, I got to get over this, this hump hmm. or whatever? Um, I know when we, well, first... there's a couple, there's a couple things. Um, and I think these are things that'll probably always be struggles to some degree in my life, but I, you know, I'm a little worried about money, yeah. uh, cause I'm 
you know, before I had roommates, I lived with my mom. That was like one thing. I mean, talk about sacrifices, like living with roommates well into my thirties was not something I ever wanted to do. So that was a whole thing. And then, uh, but now now I'm going to live on my own. Yeah, That's exciting. I got a nice little bachelor apartment, but I am a little worried about like paying for it. (laughs) But then also like there's furniture I got to buy. I need a new (laughs) laptop. It's like suddenly I'm like looking at like a (laughs) decent number of expenses. But one thing I, I have learned and have to constantly remind myself of is to just like have faith and like mm-hmm. believe it's all gonna work out and I just kind of believe it's all gonna work out it always has I survived a pandemic and I never ran out of money like it's gonna work out something will happen you know and just keep putting that energy out there instead of like freaking out all the time so there's that and then my other struggle right now is my my weight hmm. definitely uh. the heaviest I've been in my life the pandemic didn't help with that. Cheers. I, yeah, I Cheers definitely uh, am, you know, it's not so much my size, but I'm starting to feel like physically I can't do things. Right. And that's really concerning because I'm like 36 turning 37 and it's like, I am too young to feel like I can't physically do things. And yeah. so, but like physical activity gives me a lot of anxiety because I'm always like stressed out about what I look like and am I doing it okay and how people are judging me when I'm being physical like that's a weird thing to admit no it's true I I just oh god I like just started running and found a path uh, here in in Niagara where I know like nobody is for that reason It's oh, so God, like don't... secluded that it, well no it's yeah it's not I mean, is it a murder path I like, bring what? my I bring my cell phone look at this big brother immediately <laughs> like oh no you shouldn't do no that no one ever goes there there's no security cameras at all <laughs> it's like a recreational trail the, there's not people running there are people on bikes but they go by so fast that I feel okay. like no they don't but I I suppose that's yeah that's a big that's amazing I'm so happy that you're doing that that's great uh, thank you. I, I I I wrote this whole post about like how the Nike Run Club app is the best, even though like I know Nike, you know, has uh, you know some cares every, about us all. Every corporation yeah. does. exactly. Yeah, you can't escape it. You yeah, can't escape it's, it. it's true. But the but it it just really again helped change my mindset because I remember when you're a kid in high school and you're running, it's like run this fast and go and that's it. And I was in cadets as well, and it was like run and and that's it. There was no like, okay, but I was bad at running and I have asthma. So it was like, well, this is the worst. Uh, I hate this. I loved sports. I loved group sports, but I hated running. Like running sucked because it was like there was never, it was never go at your own pace. It was always go at this pace or faster or try to do it as fast as you can. Uh, Mm -hmm. So there was always a ton of anxiety with it because it was like, well, you know, the more stressed out you get in general, the, you know, the, for me, my, (laughs) my lungs, uh, close up and uh you know and then i can't do the thing anymore because <laughs> it's like well fuck it not only do i have asthma but i'm pretty sure this anxiety is making it worse for the asthma and for me so anyway so i started listening to this uh po- or not podcast but the started doing the nike run club and it's just like do it at your own pace i'm here there's like a voice in your head that's like keep it up you're doing great <laughs> you know like all this kind of support that I anyway it works for me it's good for me because I, I there's somebody in my ear saying keep 
keep doing it. You're doing great. Doesn't matter how fast you're going. Doesn't matter how far you're going. The fact of the matter is you're doing it and that's great. And the more he says it, the more I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> Uh, so so that's why running has been okay lately but I totally get it if you're not if you're not comfortable in the in the way that you look or the way that you feel then if just going to the gym is gonna feel not comfortable and that feeling is going to perpetuate your mm. desire to never return to the gym right or whatever the, or never return to the thing right right I, I'd like to recommend YouTube yoga because you know, Yoga it's some it. exercise, you do it at your house and it can, you know, there's, there's health benefits to it and it'll get you like able to do other exercises afterwards. Cause I was finding like when I would go play golf and stuff, my hamstrings would be all messed up. My lower back was dead. So I started doing this YouTube thingy and it's like 20 minutes. I didn't think it was doing much, but like, I'm not getting that pain anymore. And at least I'm doing some exercise at the same time. Yeah, that's cool. And that's no awesome. one looks at you. Like if you're just doing it in <laughs> your basement or your living room. Yeah. 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 I've heard good things about, um, about YouTube yoga. Yoga with Adrian. Yeah. She's the best. That's right. She's <laughs> the one that she's, she's famous now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think too, like, I think like having my own space will help. Cause I won't feel like somebody's going to like pop around the corner, like, yeah. you know you're doing yoga wrong <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i don't know why like, that's something i gotta learn to let go but i haven't yet so you call that a downward dog <laughs> uh, oh for sure yeah i think that's a big thing during the pandemic we had like a group of people who were doing like online workouts and i felt like it was so good because i was just like in my mm. this is in my room here she's like all you need are these like elastic bands and that kind of mm. shit and i'm not saying like i don't know and a three thousand dollar peloton bike oh my god peloton is. <laughs> i don't know how much it is <laughs> it's more than that probably okay yeah Ooh. i haven't looked into it but it's so i have to say the commercials are effective <laughs> no kidding i think this one that you like have a screen against the wall have you seen that i don't remember what that guy's called yeah that's that like just like intense. it's like other workout stuff too right? yeah yeah it's not just a bike or a, well because peloton does anyway the i think the yeah i and i don't think it helps that who I want to say yeah weight's such a fucking weird thing too because mm. uh for so many reasons right because the society we live in is so horrible to people who have you know more mass than others mm -hmm. uh so it's so much of it is like it it, it can really fuck with your head but I I found yeah that I had to of... really like change what I follow on Instagram and yeah. stuff Oh. just so my algorithm won't send me a bunch of weird stuff yeah. that's like because like i i have friends who like really went on deep dives into like plastic surgery stuff on instagram and stuff and they started to feel like really bad about themselves and i'm ah. like but you're comparing yourself to something that's not real like yeah. this is yeah. really bad and but it's like very easy to get affected by those kinds of images like i even i stopped using filters like i'll yeah. i'll adjust the lighting of a photo but i'm not like putting any of those heavy filters on me anymore because i was like i felt like i couldn't take a nice photo of myself without them yeah. and i was like that's not good that's not oh. good i'm not doing this like i just 
immediately had this instinct of like, if I stick with this, this will be bad for me. Cause even like, if I had on makeup, I would be like, oh, the filter is just, it's so much better, you know? <laughs> and, and I was just like, no, I can't, I can't do this. And so I, I stopped using all the Insta filters. I think that's great. You think about all the like little kids out there who, you know, like we mm-hmm. thought body, body issue images were like bad when I was a teenager. Like now, you know, you've got to have all these crazy filters. You've got to fucking can't eat can't eat wheat for god's sake you know like i don't know i guess you yeah can... like there is a lot of body positivity out there yeah probably more than ever but there's also like to me even that is its own form of beauty standard yeah like it's oh. it's like the you're like you're the perfect hourglass it's like even that is its own idealized type yeah somehow no cellulite like you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> like it's just it, it, it's it's also kind of unrealistic in its own way yeah it's almost and like so, a, i feel yeah. like like lizzo is the like spokesperson for the body positivity movement, yes. but she also has like how much great fucking hair and the eyes and the makeup that she has on her face and the crazy amounts of money she spends on like nails always and next everything. to just the nicest pool, pool. You've ever yeah seen. exactly <laughs> yeah and you're like wow i mean yeah but you know so yeah yeah, yeah. I, that's i think gonna be that's a i love that because it's such a real issue that so many people have and that so many and that people don't end up talking about and that cause, proper real struggle yeah because that it can cause most a, people are going through absolutely especially mm-hmm, during mm-hmm. this pandemic mm-hmm. especially you know like we, that's your body. i'm sure it's probably bigger on the male on the men's side too because i'm sure they're bombarded with really good looking bodies and all kinds of stuff uh, i'm not sure we are nowhere near as i don't think it's anywhere near as bad as you guys like for men attractiveness is just like can you show how wealthy you are how successful oh. you are that's the thing uh, so it's also all about like, like daddies right now. It's like, thing. have you showered? <laughs> that's that's all you need for. Yeah. To, to be a Did you wake up today and put on new clothes, <laughs> or, or just the ones that were crumpled next to your bed? Oh, I wonder if it like if it create. Well, I wonder like, do all these images create unrealistic expectations for men to have on for women? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I just know for dudes, like whenever uh, the first time I came to the, I was like, oh, that's a six pack. Okay. How do you get that? And then when you find out what it takes, you're like, oh no, that's not going to happen. And you move on with your life. <laughs> I think that's it, right? It's about finding the balance so that you are comfortable, uh, you know, in your body. So if it's like, cause some people it's like, you don't, if weight is of course, weight is a number, right? But if you're if you're working out and you're feeling good from the physical work that you're doing mm. uh, and you're not sort of judging yourself too harshly on on that particular number, you're kind of like, well, I, you know, I my goal, like just like mm-hmm. you're saying about writing goals. Right. If my mm-hmm. goal is to get this much physical activity in uh, my goal is to, you know, and, and that will help me feel better uh, because we all know that moving helps the serotonin kick kick out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're moving to Toronto. So perfect. <laughs> yeah, literally walking oh, I, there. I, I meant moving your body, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think people get a little too obsessed when it comes to numbers and then start talking about fucking counting calories and that kind of bullshit. And then it takes over their lives. But I don't know, you know, 
fuck what's the answer i don't have the answer that's one yeah i i I mean i think like one thing i'll say is that i think my goals are probably getting healthier if that makes sense so it's Mm -hmm. like i although i would like to fit into some clothes a bit better than i do now but i i think really it's more like i just want to remain physically average (laughs) like I mean, I don't even need to be physically fit. I just want to be physically average. Like if you want to run to get a streetcar, you want to be able to do that without feeling like you're going to have a heart attack. Yes. Or or blow your hamstring or whatever. Yes, exactly. That kind of thing. I just want some of my physical, not that I was ever physically fit, but just some of my physical fitness uh, restored. So, yeah. Yeah. I got to like... I got a, I remember a couple of years ago when I was still at CBC, I bent over to pick up my cat and threw my back out. I was oh, like, yeah. This oh, is no. stupid. Like, well, I should, I was like, I, well, I was only a couple of years ago. I was probably 36, maybe 35. I, I, I have like, a, a laundry basket pickup that haunts me from like <laughs> about seven years ago. Like that feeling of like, oh shit, I'm never going to be able to stand up again. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Dan yeah. needed yeah, to pick scary. me up and put, bring me to the physically bring me to the bathroom because i could oh, not hate it <gasps> so, so yeah, yeah do oh yoga God. everybody do <laughs> yoga. Stretch those hips oh, out. Yeah. and it was like yeah that was like these are wake-up calls like like oh fuck i should be exercising my back mm. and my my core more so that this doesn't happen again you know i need to <laughs> what muscles i have i can't just depend on sitting on my desk to maintain constantly right and also mm-hmm. like you know just doing a little bit of improvement is awesome like you don't have to uh, like run a marathon tomorrow <laughs> like, no. you know just do a little bit or more. ever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah never <laughs> run a marathon <laughs> if we've learned one thing today you don't, don't run need marathon. to run a marathon yeah why run the marathon we can you can donate to other runners there right. you go, there you go. Oh, well, yeah. i'll stand on the sideline and throw water at them that part's fun so they could drink no no just cool them down <laughs> stop running marathons <laughs> i find it is so you're a big basketball basketball fan did you ever yeah. play did you play when you were in school or anything hardly hardly okay. isn't that wild yeah i uh yeah i did enjoy playing basketball when i was a kid but i didn't pursue it because i just started doing like drama stuff instead right but uh yeah i don't know why i think just like being at the right age and like the raptors becoming a uh, thing yeah. and space jam becoming a thing and, <laughs> yeah you Did know you watch just, the new one i have not seen the okay. new one yet okay. but i definitely want to nice. um i think people like people are like is it a good movie is it a bad movie i'm like it's a kid's movie yeah. yeah, and if kids had fun, then it's a good movie. Like, stop this! It's a children's movie. Stop <laughs> wanting it to appeal to your adult senses. It's basketball players playing with the Looney Tunes. Like, stop this! It's <laughs> so yeah, but, uh, crazy. Will it get an Oscar though? <laughs> yeah, like, just how good people want this to be is just so unrealistic. But anyway, yeah, I think it just—I think basketball just caught me at the right time, at the right age, and. I really loved it. And I just like, I stuck with it. I don't know. I just stuck with it. Did you grow up in Toronto? I grew up in Mississauga. Mississauga. Okay. So I remember uh, (laughs) I never wanted to play basketball, but we had a a very small pool of people in my school. We had a small school and they're like, Brie, can you dribble? And I was like, "Uh, yep. (laughs) They're like, you're on the team. Great. That's funny. Uh, I was always a good rebounder because I'm tall and I was always tall for my age. So I was I was like a center, like I was a good rebounder and stuff like that. Nice. Okay, so you played a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. 
Nick, do you have any do you have any questions? Well, no, it's just the, just a thought of like you're you're thinking about like uh, do you dribble? Congratulations, you're a basketball player. It reminds me of like Catherine saying that she Googled how do you become a comedy writer. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine the first thing is you've done step one. You're you here. Googled you're it, in. Yeah. You're going. Oh, man. I remember that's so my... funny. I'm probably the only person that's ever done that. And then oh, like, no, followed there's no through. way you're the only person. But to followed that, through, like... followed through for sure. Just like Google, like, how do you do this? I don't know. Like, <laughs> oh, I remember when I, okay, so I went to Humber and before I went to Humber, you have to um, perform a minute of stand-up, and I'd never done stand-up before. I, I had done improv. What is a minute? <laughs> I knew what a minute was, but it was like, how do you write stand-up? So I bought this, like, Judy Carter, like, book that's like, how to write stand-up comedy, and it's so bad, and it's so hack, and it's so, like, oh, wow. basically, like, this is how you do stand-up comedy. Isn't it weird that X? Like, yeah. <laughs> so that was like, oh, that's... that's Don't you hate it when... <laughs> like okay i got that isn't it weird that anyway and then just no elaboration oh <laughs> uh, no i mean it was like then you can pick from this or that or that whatever it's like anyway it's just very, it's a silly how-to book that was like uh, in no way beneficial for like a modern style of stand-up comedy or you know voicing i don't know the kind of storytell like stand-up storytelling that is pretty popular right now as well anyway it was just kind of like this is how you do it and also sign up for more of my books you know yeah i could actually it's probably back there right now i should go you I should do that. that yeah I am. right you now <laughs> you could write a book and sell this it probably yeah that's all it takes that's all it takes isn't it strange how butter melts on toast wow isn't that if you think about it it's like yeah free did you take fun. a stand-up class yeah i did it at uh i did a couple i took uh, we had to do stand-up at humber so i had larry horowitz for two oh years. you went to humber yeah mm-hmm one of those kids yeah <laughs> yeah not even i was uh i was 26 so i was pretty yeah you were a grown-up person that yeah. did oh college. wow i had, I had lived college. a life yeah and then, uh, and then I took Don Whitwell's comedy girl class as well. Oh wow! Those? So you went to Humber and still needed Don's class. It was get a yeah. refund. I love Don, but let's like <laughs> come on. Let's just say it was a very male dominated uh, stand up oh, sure. uh, situation. Course, so going to take this class with Don was very helpful for. Oh good. Oh oh, I can't. I took her second. I took her second level class but that's just like showing up with new material and yeah. working it out it's not yeah. a how to do stand-up class yeah 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 i have thoughts but we don't need to get into that <laughs> <laughs> we got through a lot we talked to Catherine about uh the awesome writing journey that you're on i loved you know what i think like a huge takeaway is this idea of like uh, not um, deleting your podcast when it's not over. deleting <laughs> your podcast when it's over i but think i went on a on a girl guide rant on your last one, because okay. I was in Girl Guides and Pathfinders, so we've missed that. We've lost that forever. It's fine. I mean, we could talk about because you said Girl you were in Cadets. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I was in Cadets. We shot guns. What did Girl Guides do? Not. No, nope, sorry, that was Boy Scouts. <laughs> what? What did? Oh, knots. And yeah. Did, yeah. Oh. All knots. All design. Not in Boy Scouts. <laughs> oh, wow. You guys, uh, the the gals sold cookies. What was yeah, but you were a pathfinder. That's like the the highest up you can get, right? No, cadets is. <laughs> oh, you keep going. You keep going from there. <laughs> I know that I think my big takeaway is this idea if if you don't have 
um, if you don't have, if you're not currently getting paid to write, pick. Stop uh, it. I mean, <laughs> pick a, pick a, go for a quit. <laughs> quit right now. <laughs> go back into banking because that you'll always need that. <laughs> uh, no, I love so to continue getting... allocating things to cost centers and keep the world going That's around. Right. Living That's the right. dream. I'm never gonna get this out. Forget about it. Forget no, about it. Wait, wait, wait. You gotta get this out. You gotta get this out. You gotta get this out. I love the competition. Like, go submit to a competition that forces you to get there. Like Nick, you do it with your writing. Catherine, you said you did it with yours. For some reason, I've never entered a competition for writing. Uh, it's probably because I'm scared of judgment <laughs> uh, or I don't have the patience. To, anyway, I'm sure there's many reasons, but I think it's such a great thing because then uh, there now you've got a deadline, right? Mm -hmm. I've, mm -hmm. I've given myself self-imposed deadlines, but there's no consequences. Look, I still get rejected from contests. Good. That's even though I've had people hire me based on my writing. So don't worry about yeah. that. Sometimes it's you just catch people on an off day they're tired they're sleepy they're reading like how who knows how many scripts i, guess, I mean i've applied but then i've also gotten some so it's yeah. just like you just gotta you just gotta keep going it's the same with festivals like i've uh, applied for yeah. festivals and yeah. have not got in and applied for festivals and have gotten so yeah it's it's true it's you just gotta keep doing it unlike what we just said about <laughs> not doing it anymore <laughs> <laughs> please just keep doing it we need we need more uh we need more Catherines out there that's a weird way of saying that oh that's kind of sweet though that's what i mean i like you know I, i've always enjoyed your comedy i know when we were doing stand-up i always loved watching you do sets and i look forward Same. to seeing your your writing on uh, mark critch's new show that's gonna be cool uh so yeah i just wish you all the best going forward i think uh I think this stuff is going to be so helpful for writers um, who are just starting out or, or who have been in it for a little while and just need that reassurance to, mm -hmm. you know, get out there, fail, set some goals and then start getting paid after that. Keep on struggling. Exactly. On. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I hopefully you and I get to be on a, a stage again sometime oh soon. That would be amazing. Well, I actually should talk to you about that. Um, I'm <laughs> doing a, yeah, I'm doing a thing in Niagara Falls. So if you are okay doing a little traveling i would love to have yes you. i'm very okay i desperately need stage time it's Great. been way too long i've got a spot for you within the next couple months uh on a on a pretty cool um little project i'm working on and it pays Ooh, so yay exciting <laughs> it's all happening it's all coming together Woohoo! all right Catherine, thank you so much for being here nick what do you have to say to Catherine? just you know struggle on struggle basically. on yeah struggle on <laughs> <laughs> nothing you don't want to know okay struggle on Catherine. you want to say it with us struggle on yeah <laughs> woo, 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 woo. so that was Catherine naker uh, good yay. yay good episode uh i like getting into stand-up comedy to learn how to do comedy that should be the way everyone learns how to be funny breeze like you got to do a tight it? five oh, oh yeah like googling. <laughs> also googling how to do how to do stand-up how do I do comedy? If you enjoyed this episode as much as we did, please share it around. Tell your friends uh, about the podcast. Tell your friends about Catherine Naker. We're going to put up um, all of Catherine's social media information so that you can follow her career and journey along as well. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and a couple of the 
things that we discussed in the episode, we'll put them up in show notes as well. So if you want to check out Mark Critch's TV show or anything else that we talked about in the episode, there'll be some links um, on our website. So you can check that out too. What about social media, Nick? Where can people uh, watch and follow us? Uh, I mean, you can check out StrugglePod on uh, the Twitter machine. Uh, I mean, theoretically, I might be on there <laughs> responding. That's and, a good place to start. Oh, and you raising, personally. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or you. Sometimes. One yeah. of us. One of that. us. But you can listen to the episodes on YouTube if you, uh, if you prefer to read the transcript uh, while you're listening. Maybe, oh, cool. I don't know. Who knows? You could read the transcript on YouTube. Um, and then, yeah, if you have uh, any struggles that you would like to discuss on the episode, feel free to send us a, a tweet or uh, an email at uh, constantstrugglepod at gmail.com. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, that really helps the episode. Smash that like button. Smash it so hard. But yeah, we'd love some ratings and we'd love some stars and reviews and stuff. So if you had fun today uh, and you're only... Um, your only judgment is, well, they really ramble at the end of the episode when they're trying to figure out what it is they want us to do to respond. Um, that might be it there. But anyway, Nick, hopefully next month when we talk, you'll have uh, edited at least one page of work. How about that? Let's make that. I mean, I've already done that, but yeah. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next month. In the meantime, struggle, struggle on. on. Struggle the hell on. Struggle the hell on.